Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to episode four. I can't believe it, Andre. Episode four of the Talking Trucks podcast. And today we've got a special guest on the line from Canada. Hey, Steve. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Great to have you on. And as Steve is on, he runs our TFL Off-Road channel. So this show is all about two things we love, trucks and off-roading. What can be better than that, right? I don't know. It's getting muddy in trucks or getting snowy in trucks and having a lot of fun off-road. And uh, in this show, we're going to talk about our best and worst moments off-road. We're going to talk about the best and worst off-road trucks out there. And then we're going to give you guys um, some answers to your questions because if you have questions, send us a question at askatfltruck.com and we will answer it. Uh, but what do you say we get going, gentlemen? Let's do it. Thank you for joining TFL Talking Trucks podcast. If you love pickup trucks or big full-size SUVs, if you love trailering, towing, and going off-road, this is the right place to be. Together, we can make this podcast the most popular ever. Steve, let's start with you. What's your best off-road moment? And I'm asking you because I know you were just in a pretty badass Silverado in Nevada at the Mint 400. Yeah, so I mean, my my favorite off road moment to date actually just happened. I mean, less than a month ago now, it's here just about a month ago. Uh, the Mint 400 is you know one of the biggest off road races that takes place in uh, in the U S. anywhere, and uh, keeps getting bigger every year. It's, it's a, such a fun race, uh, and I got a super uh, you know unique chance to go down with Chevrolet and ride along in the Chevrolet Silverado race truck in the actual Mint 400. Now, the reason they're doing this is, is Chevy actually uses the Mint and off-road racing in general as a bit of like a laboratory to, you know, test out new parts. So they actually give a truck to haul racing. Haul racing goes out there. They beat on it in the desert for a whole season. And then they report back to Chevy and say, here's what you should do. Here's how you should make your parts. Here's what's going to make them work the best. And, uh, and I mean, Chevy hasn't confirmed this yet, but we all know that a, uh, an off-road Silverado is coming, a, a more capable off-road Silverado is coming. And that's essentially what I got to ride in. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was strapped into the back of that truck. Uh, I'm a big dude, so, I mean, the first part of that experience was just total not being comfortable at all. <laughs> the seat jammed into my butt. I'm strapped in. I can barely move. I got a Hans device on. Uh, but here's the beauty of it, right? I was super uncomfortable. That didn't stop me from enjoying it one bit. It was just so cool to be in the back of that truck, uh, watch Chad Hall race that race, and how he picked his lines was my favorite thing. Because I'm in the back going, you know, I would pick this line, and then Chad would suddenly jump the other way, and I'm like, well, why did he go that way? And then I would feel, you know, how smoothly the truck would sort of react and be like, oh, man, this guy is, like, just incredible. So, yeah, anyways, it was such a cool experience. And if you guys have a chance, go to TFL Off-Road and check out that video because there is a pretty hilarious uh, image of Steve with a helmet on, making him look a little bit, though, like the Gerber baby. Let's, let's, let's just call it what it is. <laughs> oh, wow. Ouch. Dude, so no, can it's, you... It's fair. I was stuffed into that race suit, too, so that's fair. But like I said, it was all worth it to get out there and actually be on the race course in an off-road race. 
No, but and, dude, uh, yeah, go to video. dude, but I'm pretty surprised. I mean, you've been off-roading for how many years? You know, 10 years, 20 years, and you're telling me that, and you're telling me this Silverado truck, this 1500, which is basically like a trail bus on steroids, right? So it's a, Absolutely. it's a truck that's um, not for sale. Uh, so talk about this truck. A hold on, hold bit on, more. Andre. No, no, don't talk about the truck. What? What? I no, I, no, I don't want to hear about the truck. See, Why not? This is this is a new segment we're calling Roman's Rant. All right, yes. all right, and that's why I don't want to hear about this truck. I don't want to hear about some bull. Sorry, some bull cow <laughs> race this truck. This is a family show. That will never, never, ever be used. These race trucks, they do not mean anything to me. I'm sorry, Chevy. I'm sorry, Ford. Same thing with that Ford Raptor. I mean, the Ford uh, Bronco that ran the, the, the uh, Baja 1000. These are specialty-built race trucks. The manufacturer talks them up, and they talk about the fact that this is eventually technology that's going to get to you know the, the everyday trucks. And here's my rant, Andre, and yes. Steve. Here's my rant. What is up with GM? How long has the Raptor been around, Andre? Since 2010, about 10 years. 10 freaking years. Yes. They've had zero answer to the Raptor. What, how do you let Ford, how do you let Ford sell hundreds of thousands of Raptors without answering that truck? I, I am completely blown away by that. The Chevy, right, they have the ZR2 in the mm-hmm. midsize truck, right? Yeah. Sure. Which has all the off-road goodies. It has wider stance, better right, suspension, right. but no more power, though. But how do you not answer Ford and the Raptor? And, you know, I, I would say the same thing for Ram, but they've got the TRX coming, so we know that there's an answer to but that. But, yeah, it still took them 10 years. It's, but, what, what, you know, why has Chevy been sitting on their hands letting Ford define the off-road race truck? I, 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 don't, I don't know, Roman, but this Silverado truck that Steven was in is way different from that Bronco race truck. The Bronco race truck was a tube cage, you know, complete racing vehicle. Um, supposedly, it had a V6 turbo engine that them, they will use in production. But the, the Bronco that they showed in Baja this year or last year was like a full race vehicle. This Silverado truck has a basically frame from the production truck, cab from the production yeah, truck. Does, to, to be fair, it does race in the production, the stock production class in that racing series. So hey, it is fairly production, one, and that was one, sort of the point. So one if question. You know, if you don't want the details, then I, I, I hear you. One question for all of you guys, okay? Yes. When can yeah. you buy it? Which which one? I do not know exactly. That that rate the yeah. truck you're saying is the next production Raptor. When can you buy it? Um, that's a simple question. When are the prototypes coming out? When can you buy it? Can you buy it at the end of this year? At the end of next year? In 2030? You know, right. They I haven't have, said anything. I have, yeah, I have no faith in you know um, the manufacturer until I see some prototypes running around and we actually see it. So yeah, to this day, uh, it's probably the biggest question in off-road trucks. Why have all of the manufacturers let Ford own that territory? And keep in mind, guys, right? Keep in mind, we've been doing this for 10 years, right? There is no segment that goes unheralded. In the car world. You see what I'm saying? And the truck world. And the truck world. Yeah, you look at, let's just start with like the German cars, right? Germans come up with the craziest little niche vehicle that you've ever heard. Like, you know, it's like like a A four-door coupe. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, within within six months, BMW and Mercedes and Audi have one, right? Like that. Ten years ago, Ford refined and defined the off-road truck world. And we know that Ford sells, what, a half a million F-150s, right? Mm Mm-hmm. A year. And we also know from insider information that about, gosh, one out of 10 wrap, one out of 10 F 150s coming off the the line in uh, Detroit, right, which is where they're built, are Raptors. 
So that's 50,000 trucks a year. A year. Yeah. Multiply that by 10 years, and you're at 500,000 trucks. And to this day, no one has answered that. I, it, it is yeah, unbelievable to me. It seems like the business case was always there, um, but you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think the same thing can almost be said for the eco-diesel from Ram. You know, it went unanswered for not as much time, but a couple of years. And sometimes I think some automakers are scared to jump in with both feet. You know, Ford, I think, has proven over and over that it's always willing to take a risk. And it seems that in this case, Ram and Chevy weren't. Well, at least until now, because now we are going to get these off-road trucks. But, yeah, we just had to do a lot of waiting to get them. And on the flip side, Ram has had the power wagon for many, many years, right? The power wagon is this kind of burly, heavy-duty truck. And now, finally, Ford has the tremor that's trying to answer that same question, right? Yes. Well, this yeah. ra- this rant, guys, has been brought to you by Roman's lack of sleep. <laughs> you too can rant <laughs> as much as Roman when you don't sleep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stephen, how much sleep are you getting with two little babies? Uh, I mean, it's pretty tough right now. We're all cooped up inside, but I got a big yard, so we get out in the backyard as much as I can. So not not too too bad. Nice, nice. All right, Andre, uh, let's get back to our regular scheduled programming. What's your best off-road moment? My best off-road moment, I remember this was like a 2018 year, and we were doing our competition for off-road trucks. And I remember it was Tommy, Nathan, and I, and we took three trucks, which were top of the line from each classification. We had a mid-size Chevy Colorado ZR2, which then was pretty much brand new. We had a new Raptor, Ford Raptor, which is representing the full-size class. And we had a power wagon, which is a heavy-duty best off-road truck. And we put all of them at the same day and the same time on the Cliffhanger 2.0 trail, which is and still is our most difficult off-road test in Colorado here. It's basically very steep, really rocky, um, and it changes all the time because these rocks move Every single time you drive this trail, it's unpredictable. And we had a very limited number, uh, just uh, several hours to film it because there was a snowstorm coming like the next day. And we were, but everything clicked. Uh, Our video production was great. Uh, the trucks performed really well on the mountain, and right, and that, it was it was just incredible. That's a, that's a good video, but how about your personal best moment? Like the moment that you gonna think back on and say, "Wow, that was really cool." And it doesn't have to be a video; just the moment that you were in in charge, or you know, in the moment. Uh, well, there's so many, so many moments. Uh, you think about it. Yeah, I'll think, think about, about it. it. I'll, give so, you, I'll give you mine. Do uh, your best. Yeah, mine has to do with you, and that is when we were uh, <laughs> reviewing the, the, the latest Raptor, and we were um, shooting the jump, right? So Ford set up a jump, and you were jumping it, and mm-hmm. I was filming it, and you were like, should I go faster? I was like, yeah, hell yeah, go faster, get more air. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Andre's, right. Andre's very cautious by nature. Uh, and so it was really fun to see him with this, like, you know, uh, like little kid expression, just Dee. Christmas morning <laughs> every time he stood right. up and took that jump and <laughs> went, you know, two feet in the air, then four feet in the air. And then finally, I think he went like almost like six or seven feet. It was really cool to watch. That was a pretty exper- uh, huge experience. It was in Utah. Yep. And it was basically at the Ford facility because they have a, basically a racetrack and a dirt course uh, and a jumping course, which is incredible. Like a stadium, right. almost like a stadium. Boy, um, you know, my, my favorite moments of off-roading, 
five years ago, we did a series with Jeep. Yep. Um, and the Gladiator, uh, not the Gladiator, the Wrangler, <laughs> going, Rubicon. Going around the country. The highest, yeah. 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 Motor Mountain USA. Motor Mountain USA. And that's not technically a truck, right? But it, um, it also, we've done several cross-country trips in off-road trucks. So what was it? Take, uh, taking that trailer up to Rubicon? What was the best moment of that? Uh, no, the best moment was also the scariest moment yeah. is uh, where I almost got hit by lightning. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, so wow. this was in Idaho, and this was the Twin Peaks Mountain, I think it's called. And we were driving up this serpentine road. It's all rocks, basically, on this sheer, you know, very steep uh, side of the mountain. And there was a fire station, a lookout station on the very tip of this mountain. And this was also the highest drivable point in Idaho that we were able to reach. And... It just it was surreal because Nathan and I were the only people basically on this trail, and there was a cloud coming in with a storm, and uh, you know moments like that where you look back and you just think, you know this one may never repeat itself. You know this moment, uh, but it was also bad because when I was filming Nathan descending this mountain, I heard a loud clap. It was a lightning hit. But I, I could feel the electricity on the back of my neck. Did your hair stand up? Wow. Uh, yes. My, my hair stood up. Uh, I could feel it, and I was really scared. Thankfully, what I think saved me was uh, that the, that fire station, the lookout station on top of that mountain, actually had lightning rods. And I think those lightning rods actually attracted a lot of that lightning. And I was probably, I want to say, 20, 30 feet away, probably. Wow. That's uh Hair-raising, to say the least. It was yeah, hair-raising. It also was the best. I, I have another worst moment coming up okay, later. Let's we'll save that for, for a little <laughs> bit later. All right, Stephen, we're up to you now. What's your worst moment off-road in a truck? Well, so in a truck, I mean, by far has to be taking trucks up the hydro line. So, I mean, anyone who's watched TFL truck or TFL off-road has seen the hydro line. Uh, it's our own little personal mud pit. And uh, I've taken lots of trucks up there. And you know what? Lately, actually... Um, also, trucks have gotten so good that pretty much a good set of all terrains will get you through. Um, I've gotten a few modern truck stuff, but not too many. But but easily my worst experience was actually with my dad. Uh, this is way pre TFL. I'm like 18 at this point. Uh, he's got an F250, and we're out there in the forest driving around, and we have no equipment with us, no recovery equipment, no tools, nothing. And I'm driving around and having a great time. And he's like, let's go up the hydro line. And I'm like, I don't think we should. And he's like, no, let's do it. He's egging me on. So I'm like, okay, Dad, if you think we're good, we're good. And sure enough, we get to the end, and that truck just sinks, absolutely sinks straight down in that mud. Uh, I didn't even have boots on. I had, like, running shoes on. We were just so unprepared for this moment. Uh, and, you know, from there to where that is stuck out there, back to where our shop is and where the tractor was, you know, that's a good kilometer and a half. So I guess about a mile. Uh, so we we got out. We got super muddy. We hiked back. We got eaten by mosquitoes the entire time walking back, cursing the truck. I was cursing my dad for telling me to do it. And then uh, we got the tractor, brought out the chains because I didn't even think straps were going to work. And then probably the worst experience of that whole thing was me crawling back into the mud, down, getting underneath that truck and hooking a chain up to the hitch because <laughs> the hitch was just buried. Oh, it was just just a miserable muddy day but i mean you know as andre just told his story you look back at these scary miserable moments and they actually end up being some of your favorite memories all right andre how about you worst moment that could have been a good video steve too that could have been absolutely <laughs> absolutely it would have just been me mad at my dad the whole time 
Yes. Uh, my, my worst moment off-roading uh, happened in Utah as well. Me and the state of Utah don't get along as far as off-roading is concerned. Is this the Hummer? This is the Humvee. That didn't float? Uh, that did not float, and I almost <laughs> sank in it, and it was almost my, you know, my last moment. Where um, you got your foot caught in the, in the, in the strap? Right. So I, we were doing a video uh, actually with Plan B Supply, and basically what that company does is they refurbish old Humvees, military vehicles, and also deuce and a half, giant six-by-six six trucks. They do all kinds of stuff. They make them better, longer, bigger, taller. They improve their cabs and tires, everything. And we wanted to showcase the capability of their vehicles, which, you know, a Humvee is really, really capable. So we saw a puddle next to this mound. Hold on, hold on. You guys got to check out this video. If, if you haven't, do like... Uh, Plan B, go to TFL Truck, put it because it's hilarious. So look on your face when you thought you were going to drown. But it's not but, hilarious. But no, it's hilarious. But hold on, there was not. It was not a pond. It was so. Imagine this. The scene is there's there's um, a dirt pile that's probably 15 feet. Tall. It wasn't 15 feet It was 15 tall. feet tall, and next to it is a hole with water. And it doesn't take a lot of imagination, Andre, to figure out that that 15 feet of dirt came from that puddle. But somehow uh, the guys over there decided that the puddle was not 15 feet deep but was much shallower, which it wasn't. <laughs> it was not. turns out it was not, and it was really soupy under there. The mud was just salty. You know, there was basically – it's near Salt Lake City. So then you decide to drive into it at full speed for some reason. Well, yeah. yeah. Not like, 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 hey, let's check it out, you know, like you're supposed to do. Like, so a uh, lesson to be learned, yeah. guys, uh, is – Probably, if you want to cross something, maybe wading through it first, or maybe putting a stick in there and, and searching, and maybe trying it. You know, don't use your vehicle to as a first exploration. So, 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 so there was, I, I, I have to. I'm sorry if I'm if I'm being cutting you off here, but there there are a lot of things you did here that that were exactly the wrong thing to do. Yes. So driving into this thing at full speed was like number one. Okay. All right. That was number one. And then number two has to be the fact that you're in a Humvee with a snorkel, right? So, you know, the snorkel is above right. your head. Right. And you yeah. fly into this thing, water starts pouring in, and the first thing you do is turn the engine off. Right, which is another <laughs> huge mistake. I was really worried. Water, water goes up the tailpipe, right? Right. I was really worried about yeah. the electrics of the thing. Because okay. uh, I also fried an Xterra that day, also a Nissan Xterra, uh, in the same in the same watering hole. So, so now now Andre is in this hole. Water is still uh, it's seeping creep. in everywhere. It's, it's it's seeping in. It's getting well, the higher. Window's open there, the window's closed. The window, uh, these horizontal sliders. You know, they're very. And you know, you've seen the Humvee. The windows yeah, are yeah. about you know a foot tall, right? So if I would not be able to crawl out of this window. Look at my belly. Well, yeah. and he's, he, yeah. he, he, all of a sudden, you also couldn't get the seatbelt undone, if I remember right. You were struggling to do that because you, you could see this water coming up, this look of And that was seatbelted. Absolute ter terror comes into his eyes. You could see it. Water's <laughs> coming higher. And then, for some unbeknownst reason, there was a tow rope that somehow wound itself around your foot. So when they did start to pull you out of it, they almost pulled your foot out of your socket, right? Yes. <laughs> So, but I did one great thing, which is I was wearing steel-toed boots. Okay, how you did know, that help with the water? Uh, because when the rope, the tow rope, when it uh, it kind of rolled around my foot, yeah, and it actually was trying to squeeze itself against the door sill, yeah, and because of my wow. boot, it basically saved it from being squeezed. 
Congratulations. So I still have my feet. And I've learned a lot, and I, you know, I want to thank the guys at Plan B. Yes, uh, because they were really good sports. That Humvee was functioning after yeah. we pulled it out. Yeah, and um, but not great. That that was not my poorest moment. So my worst moment, guys. <laughs> was I, I went with our videographer to go shoot. This wasn't a truck. This was actually a Land Rover. No, it was a Range Rover Sport off-road. And we went up to our usual place, which is uh, uh, up there in the mountains, and uh, we hit our usual trail, um, the Switzerland Trail, and within like, oh, I don't know, a quarter mile, I got stuck, right? Stuck. In the snow. In the snow, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's had, And then I'm like, oh, I'll just jack it up. So I jacked it up, and then I got high-centered. <laughs> so now I'm good and truly stuck. And so now I'm like, what do I do now? So... Uh, there's no no phone service up there, and I had to call Andrew and Nathan for somebody to come, like, with the Raptor and pull us out, right? So I'm looking around. I'm walking around. It's getting colder, uh, and I found the only house there, and I'm like, okay, I can borrow this person's phone because they probably have a landline. And then I'm about to knock on the door, and I notice that there's a sign for naked yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how's this your worst moment? Because now, now I have this existential crisis. Because I'm imagining, I'm not imagining like 20 year olds doing naked yoga. I'm imagining like, you know, 70 year olds all doing hot naked yoga. And I did not want that image burned into my brain, you know, downward dog. <laughs> it was just not the right image. Okay, so what happened? I knocked on the door. And what, then what happened? Well, this woman came out, and she was not naked. <laughs> okay, so it was good. It was good, yeah. <laughs> but, but for a while there, I was like, Ugh, naked yoga. <laughs> you know, you're in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. What kind of, you know, people are taking advantage of that, solid, that solitude? Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Uh, a lot of horror movies start that way, getting your car stuck and then having to knock on a scary door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Let's, let's go back to our topic at hand, which is trucks and off-road. And I'm going to put out uh, – Three of the best trucks out there for off-roading, and I'm going to find out which one you think is best. So I know these are in different uh, classes, but I think they are the best for each class. So would you guys all agree that the best, um, at least most capable, I would say the best, let's say the most capable off-road midsize truck would be the Colorado ZR2 Bison. I think that's a, it's got the most goodies. Would you agree with that, Andre and Nathan? I mean, Andre and Stephen. I don't agree. Okay. I would mostly agree. I think that... TRD Pro has an argument for it, but I do really like the VR2. All right, what would you say is the I best? W- I would say the Gladiator Rubicon. Or actually a Mojave, maybe. The Desert Runner, maybe. All right, All right. so there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a definite good runoff there between the Gladiator because it does have all the goodies that the ZR2 has, plus the uh, um, the... Um, the bar. Bar well, well, we should kind of mention, like, how do we judge this, right? I'm I just mean, talking about, like, most off-road goodies that you can use, right? Yeah, so, so you have to have, like, clearance, approach right. angles, lockers, probably, right. the, you know, all that stuff helps. Yeah, so so between the two, those are probably the two most capable mid-size trucks, right? All right, full-size truck. Now we're going up a class. Yes. Uh, I think it's Raptor, and is there anything else that, that even competes with the Raptor in terms of kind of all the goodies you get? Well, so far, I still think the Raptor's kind of in a class of one. I mean, like we already talked about, you know, the other high-speed half-tons are coming, but right now it's still Raptor. And I say high-speed, but, you know, you go rock-crawling in a Raptor, and it's pretty dang capable as well. I uh, think and that torque and front limited clip is pretty impressive. So, yeah, I, I still think it's kind of in a category of one. Yeah, if you look at every other truck in the full-size category, the half-tons, 
the Raptor, like you said, Stephen, is the, basically the only truck with a front limited slip. So it's actually helping you find traction in the front. Most of them have rear lockers, right? If you look at yeah, Ram, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Nissan, and et cetera, et cetera. But the Raptor, the only, I think, Achilles heel of the Raptor is just big. Yeah, it's big. You know, it's, it's really huge. wide. It's a desert truck, right? Like, I, I get it up here in Canada on my, you know, trails in the forest, and it feels so big. But then you take it to the desert, and it feels perfect. But uh, still, I think it's super capable. All right. Now, the last category of truck, HD. And I think the two that are the most capable are probably Tremor and Power Wagon. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. Agreed. I think Tremor is still off-road. Is, or sorry, I, Power Wagon off-road uh, specifically is still the truck to get in the HD segment. So I would actually say Power Wagon there is still the best off-road. I would agree Power Wagon because it's focused on off-roading, right? So, Agreed, yes. So, if you want to bring towing a payload into it, the Ford you know, totally blows it out of the water. But if you forget about those things and talk just off-road, I think it's still Power Wagon. Yeah, the Power Wagon doesn't have a ton of uh, payload. It, what, you know, about what fourteen hundred pounds and maybe ten thousand yeah, pounds really of towing. Different. Yeah, for but, HD, the numbers are pressing in towing your payload. Absolutely. So, so the reason I'm bringing this up, guys, is because this week Nathan, um, I keep saying Nathan, Stephen is uh, producing. A <laughs> well, most new... people think I'm Nathan's son, anyways. So. <laughs> exactly. His, his, uh, his which Cana- is not true. His Canadian uh, He's in the conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, stepchild. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, this week, Stephen on TFL Off-Road is producing a, a series of videos called, uh, we started this new series called Stephen to the Rescue or Nathan to the Rescue. They're, you know, one's on now, one's on Off-Road, where he's actually going to go through the best off-road trucks in each category. So if you want to get a deeper dive into, like, what is the best off-road midsize truck, be sure to tune in um, this week, right, Friday, you're going to published that video yeah that's the plan friday and if i can just be a little more specific roman i'm actually going to look at each truck and try to say here's the best usage case for this truck because i think in every case you can say best or worst but i think you can always justify each truck because you know usually each one has something to offer the others don't so we're going to do our best to look at each segment and really dive into what each truck does best and then at the end we'll have to say which one i think is the overall winner but uh, Still, yeah, a much more in-depth look at every single off-road truck is coming. And the, and the beautiful thing is that you've driven all of them. So, I mean, you're speaking from experience. It's not just something And that, he's gotten them stuck. And you've got them stuck, <laughs> unstuck, <laughs> and did all these things. All right, and the reason... Absolutely. And, go ahead, And Steve. you guys know, if I can just be real quick for a minute, you guys know this as well as I do. Uh, you know, the spec sheet never tells the full story. You can do a, a video talking numbers. But, you know, there's just a gut feeling that I think we have to share. And I think that's what I'm going to try to do is here's the numbers on these trucks, but here's what I kind of feel. Because like you guys said, I've, I've driven them all. I've been in the mud. I've gotten stuck. So that's I, I think that's the most important thing we can mm-hmm. do as reviewers, right? Try to get out of the numbers sometimes and just talk about the way these trucks really make you feel. All right. So, so here's my question to you boys, right? Now we've listed, yeah. I think, what, uh, five trucks. So we've listed, let's just go over and We listed the Gladiator. Uh, we've listed the, the uh, Colorado ZR2 yep. in the midsize. Yep. In the full size, we're at the Raptor. And in the uh, heavy duty, we're either Tremor or Power Wagon. Mm-hmm. So now the question is out of those five trucks, if you had to only buy one and make that your everyday, ultimate, whatever you want to call it, off road truck, which one would you buy? So let's start with you, Andre. Wow, that's a tough one. Yeah, I'm not, you, and you can take towing into it, and you can kind of give me, and why, you know? What, what's the reason for that? Is it because, right. obviously, the heavy-duty trucks are going to tow more, yeah. the, the, the midsize are going to be, you know, more nimble off-road, so what's the truck you would buy? You know what I would buy is yeah. a Gladiator. You can't say the TRX, okay, fine. 
<laughs> I cannot say the TRX. Uh, That's gladi- so why the Gladiator? So it's got what seven thousand seventy five seven thousand pounds of towing yeah. on the on the Rubicon version. Yeah, and that would get the Rubicon. Okay, uh, I, th- I think it's worth getting that st- uh, you know stuff from the factory, the axles, the lockers, uh, this disconnecting front sway bar for better articulation, so all your tires are there. And my I, I tow as you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a six thousand pound boat and trailer. And it's within its capability of that truck. Um, and the reason why I chose this, the, the Gladiator is because it's just a little bit smaller, right? The Raptor, I love the Raptor, right? The Raptor is an amazing truck. My experience jumping it was incredible. And the Power Wagon and Tremor are also really great. But I think the Gladiator just combines the best kind of... It can tow. It, it, you know, it may not be happy at towing, right? It can tow... But it can also you can remove the roof, it's a, remove it's the doors. You, you can make it into yeah. a convertible, and you kind of go out and explore. And I think it combines a lot of that quality together. And you're probably looking at about fifty five thousand. Absolutely, know, that's before it's, any discounts you can get nowadays. But you know, it, MSRP around the mid fifties for that truck. Yeah, and it's not cheap. I no. mean, none of these trucks are actually cheap. The downside I would say to that choice is interior space. Yeah, right? not a lot. If there's not a lot of interior space. Uh, and, um, you know, until the diesel comes around, that Pentastar is working pretty hard when you're towing anything above, let's say, 5,000 pounds. Absolutely. Even 5,000 pounds is yeah. still working hard. All right. How about you, Steve? Out of those five, what's, what's your ultimate off-roader? So, yeah, it is a tough call. Um, I would have to go Raptor, though. I mean, I've said this like 100 times. I'm going to say it 101 times. If I had to pick a style of off-roading that suits me best, it's high speed. I just I absolutely love Going fast, and I mean that's what the Raptor's all about. I've seen you, Steven, Yes. <laughs> yeah, you see me drive, man. I just, you know what? Rock crawling is fun, but after an hour of rock crawling, I'm over it. I just want to go fast again, <laughs> and that's what the Raptor does so well. Not to mention it, 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 the the first gen Raptor was, you know, kind of compromised with the off road shocks, and it was really kind of pillowy feeling, and didn't feel the best on road. The new Raptor, the second gen Raptor, it, it, there's almost no compromise. Like it's so good on road. Besides the size. Uh, that's why I would pick it because you can daily drive that truck, uh, and then you can go out and just have so much fun. The, the power is incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I don't actually see too many downsides to the Raptor. I got to say. Yeah, it also holds its value really well. Yeah, it does. Yeah, heck yeah, that's always a good call. Yeah. Although, I mean, I'm keeping this one forever. If I get a Raptor, I'm not selling it. Yeah, so we we had the first gen Raptor with the six two, and we bought it for uh, I want to say like fifty fifty three or fifty three fifty four thousand, yeah. and then we ended up trading it uh, and getting thirty nine thousand like four years later, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Yeah, and I think those yeah. uh, prices haven't come down much yet either because that's a V eight Raptor, right? Yeah. Uh, right now it's a twin turbo V six. Yeah. So people value those big V eight engines. And I got to tell you, I'd probably have to go with the Raptor as well. Uh, there's just it's just a, a, an all around um, really good truck. My my only caveat there would be I'm not as uh, in love with the new ride with the. Uh, uh, live wire shock. So, so the Raptor is the only one out there that actually has these new Fox shocks that you can adjust um, for the kind of driving you're doing, right? So and you, they're active too. And they're active, yeah. So yeah. they anticipate what you're doing. Uh, but I like the old Raptor with the kind of the soft, squishy kind of 1970s Lincoln mm-hmm. Continental ride. Uh, and the yeah. new ones is, is just a little too firm for my for my liking. And yeah, you know, the, the, let's face it, the the twin turbo is more powerful. It's more gutsy, uh, but it sounds horrible. 
especially yeah, inside, you know, where they have to pipe, pipe, pipe in fake V8 engine noise. Uh, and there's just something about a V8 that, you know, and a big truck that go together like pizza and beer. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I, I miss I miss that, uh, even though the, the, the twin turbo is much more lively and much more, in some ways, um, powerful. And I think no, there's that, something to be said for, for a naturally aspirated V8, absolutely. Um, and, and you know what, Roman, and that is interesting you bring up the ride because, you know, the reason you don't like it is the exact reason I do like it because the old Raptor, like I said, I kind of got tired of the ride in that thing after a while. I didn't want to be floating around all the time. I like it to stiffen up a little bit on-road and then be soft off-road. So, yeah, that's, that's an interesting difference. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, now that we've kind of talked about the best, I think there has to be a special mention uh, for the ones that are a little bit disappointing. Um, and we're going to be a little political about this because, you know, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a truck uh, that isn't good off-road. Mm-hmm. I mean, trucks and off-road um, really have taken the world by storm, and that's because they have low-speed transfer cases. You know, they're very... Um, tough and have you know over uh i would say oversized not just tires and wheels and dimensions but capabilities right uh but there's got to be some trucks that you guys would be like hey if i was going to go off road this is not the truck that i was going to buy and i'll I'll start with mine um and it's going to be as much as i love this truck on road and you just had it andre and you actually i think fell in love with it as well because it's got a really cushy ride and on road it's like it's it's a truck that everybody should buy but nobody does because they want capability that for the most part they won't use but the least off-road worthy in my mind at least is the uh, honda ridgeline it doesn't have a low speed uh, transfer case and so when you go off-road that all-wheel drive system uh, just can't handle it well actually um i think the ridgeline the all-wheel drive system is really good except it overheated when we tested uh, it. Uh, the transmission overheated because you were kind of going too slowly right it, uh, well, that's what I think happened. Well, that's when you're when you're crawling over terrain, right? Right. It was so, really trying so hard to figure out where to send power. Off. So I think what lets it down, yes, the transfer case, the lack of transfer case, low gearing lets it down. Also, ground clearance yeah. and approach angles and departure angles let it down. But I think the brain of it and the all-wheel drive brain is actually really, really solid. It's just uh, how it's combined, and it's really on-road truck, right? I mean, it's it's a it's a crossover truck meant for on-road comfort, but the independent suspension works really nice too. Yeah, you know, it's one of those trucks, and I'll give you a second to, to chime in as well, Steve. But to me, it's one of those trucks that. Um uh, you know, is 90% of the trucks that people should have, but 10% of what people want, which is really weird. Uh, but, you know, on-road, it's super comfortable. It's super smart the way you can open the tailgate either way, you know, the way you can store stuff underneath uh, the bed, the way that those rear seats lift up. This is, this is just, you can tell that Honda put a lot of engineering and a lot of thoughtful features into it. Uh, but for off-road, it doesn't have the one thing you need. What do you think, Steve? What's your kind of call of it? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I do remember being on the first drive of the uh, this current-gen Ridgeline and being impressed by the all-wheel drive just in, like, a dirt field in terms of, like, the torque vectoring. It does help you turn and stuff. But, I mean, that was a dirt field. <laughs> the second you get on anything serious, the Ridgeline just falls apart. Um, and actually, this is a bit of an anecdote, but, again, um, back in 2000 and I think it was 2008, a first-gen Ridgeline, I was off-road once again with my dad, him driving the time. And we actually managed to bend the hitch on a ridgeline. We brought the rear end down, and the angles are just so horrible. The mm. entire hitch mount bent right up, and it really was not a real serious hit. 
past. So yeah, we we uh, we managed to damage a, a ridgeline pretty bad. So it's it's just not built for it. And then it, you know it's unibody, and that's the thing with the unibody vehicle. If you were to really damage, let's say you know your rocker panel or something, you're going to compromise your whole vehicle. And that's why body on frame will always be a little bit better for off road too. So mm-hmm. yeah, the ridgeline's a great truck. Don't get me wrong, but do not buy it if you want to go hit the trail. I would say. Okay, and how about you, Andre? What's the one that you would shy away from? In, in general? Yeah, out of all the trucks for yeah. off-road. For off-road use, not yeah. for on-road. Well, this I is have a... another truck, too, if you want me to weigh in. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah. yeah, so, and, and you, guys, you guys can tell me if this is controversial or not, um, but I got to tell you that I'm disappointed with the GMC Sierra AT4 Heavy Duty. Uh, Andre brought it up earlier. Power Wagon has owned the segment forever, and Ford stepped up with the Tremor, and I think the Tremor's pretty legit. And then the AT4 feels like it's just sort of kind of there, but they didn't really do that much to it. Um, I guess the argument for the AT4 is it's good on-road and it's hose good, but again, heavy-duty trucks off-road are not great to begin with. So if you're going to do an off-road HP, you've got to do it. And I just I feel like PM didn't go far enough. Yeah, I agree because they didn't lift the truck. I can't say it's a bad truck, but I'm just it was disappointing to me as fact. It's funny because the last generation we had, I, I got to drive it in Utah again, in, in like Pink Crow National Park, whatever it's called, and then I got to drive it home. Ian and I took it back, and I fell in love with that truck, dude. It was, you know, it had the roll cage in the back, kind of with the lights on it. Sports bar. Sports yeah. bar. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And then, um, and it had, you know, the bigger, beefier tires. Um, and I think what happened was. When they designed the new generation Duramax, right, the one that can now tow 30,000 finally, right, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. put it into the new GMC, I think that the, uh, that the off-road AT4 part of it was kind of – they didn't design that with, with that in mind. So it feels like the no. truck is a really good on-road towing truck, but all that stiffness that they designed into it to make it good for towing – really does not work off-road. That's what I felt when we took it to Moab. Remember when we did that comparison between the three heavy-duty, super-duty trucks? So in the GMC heavy-duty AT4 specifically, um, it does not have a front solid axle, right? Independent suspension, which works a little bit better on-road, right? Not necessarily in this case off-road. But I was there when they introduced it in California. Remember they pulled a gigantic boat up the boat ramp, and then they they took the veil off the AT4 truck, and I asked the chief engineering team, and I said, is the 84 truck any taller? Did you give it a lift? And they said basically no. And in my mind, I was like, it looks badass, right? I mean, it looks really strong. The big grill, yeah. the hood scoop, and the tires, and the fenders. But I think it was missing that last bit, which is, you know, a little bit higher, you know, um, just right height in general to clear more obstacles. And maybe a proper... Front and rear lockers, you know, it's missing that. All right. How about you, Andre? Is there one truck that you'd be like, eh, if I was going off-road, there's probably a better segment uh, choice than this one? Hmm. Well, I was thinking about the, f- the most popular segment, which yeah. is the full-size exactly. half-ton yeah. segment. And I think you have to split hairs. Okay. I mean, uh, Raptor is by itself, right? Yep. Yep. We, we've talked about that. It's separate. Uh, and then there's really, really five manufacturers, right? Ford, GM, Ram, Toyota, and Nissan. And we've tested all of them, right? We, over the years, we've driven every iteration, basically, of every one of these trucks. And I think all of them have really strong points. And I, I can decide between these two, uh, these two trucks, um, either like an F-150 FX4 or a Tundra. And even I wouldn't even include the TRD Pro, 
it's a great truck for the 2020 year and 2019. They put new Fox shocks on it, which are amazing, right? Really great suspension, a really soft ride, really comfortable ride. But once again, they did not lift the TRD Pro that much, right? Not, not, not a lot of clearance, no yeah. rear locker in the TRD Pro still, uh, which is, you know, I mean, they do have this traction kind of limited slip um, setup. So um, it's, and once again, in the F-150 FX4, I know they have the Raptor, but the FX4 package, I mean, they give you a rear locker and a couple of skid plates and, you know, maybe a more aggressive tire, but that's about it. Um, so it's, it's, but you have to, once again, you have to split hairs to say, you know, which truck actually may not be that good. But I think the Tundra just doesn't give me enough clearance off-road. Yeah, you know, we, we've been so doing... So I wouldn't pick it. We've been doing a series of videos recently um, called the Ironclads where we go over this obstacle called the Razor Rocks, right? And the Razor Rocks are great because uh, they test um, departure, approach, and breakover angle. Uh, more importantly, they also test whether uh, a rear locker is important or not. Let's face it, for the most part, a rear locker doesn't... Doesn't you know? You don't need it. You, you can Every get, day you don't. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah. I, unless you're in some kind of funky off-road extreme situation where like one wheel is off camber and the other one has traction, uh, the rear locker is not going to come into play. But on the Razor Rocks, it always comes into play, uh, and that's the one point. You know, you don't need it until you need it. <laughs> and you're right. Yeah. I, it's, it's once again, it's another one of those like like what is Toyota thinking where they have their most off-road worthy truck. And it doesn't have a rear locker, which every other truck in the segment can be had with. Mm-hmm. Even if you inc- yeah. even if you include GM's weird G80, right? But it still has a locker. So, so yeah, it, it kind of it kind of it's a head scratcher. Yeah, and it's not a bad truck. It's just once again, uh, not enough ground clearance, in my opinion. If you look at it, walking up to the truck, it looks good, but it's sitting low, right? I mean, it yeah. just doesn't make a lot of sense. All right, guys, in yeah. the Go ahead. The power screen will be nice too from the Tundra. All right. Uh, in the last few minutes that we have, I want to kind of go over uh, a little bit, a few more head scratchers, and uh, I want to get your opinion on these. These are like things that I don't understand, uh, and yet it's become a common thing for manufacturers to do. So if you have one like that, think about it. Let me give you mine, okay? Why, okay. why do most trucks from the factory, and it's probably, I'm going, to, I'm going to answer my own question here. Probably has to do with fuel economy. But why do so many trucks come with tires that are way too small for that truck? You know what I'm saying? I mean, huge tires now uh, are the thing in either bro trucks, which may, never, which may or may not go off road. When I'm talking about bro trucks, I'm talking about trucks with like six-inch lifts and you know tires that stick out six inches beyond the body. But these are still nevertheless big tires, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're certainly the thing in off-road trucks where you lift a truck and you get more ground clearance. But yet... I look at especially a lot of GM products, right? And you look at the, the, the truck and you're like, that truck needs at least two more inches of tire just from the factory. Forget about the fact that I'm trying to go like another four inches, but mm-hmm. it, it just seems like – and I'll give you an example of that. I think our uh, long-term trail boss is way undertired. 32-inch tires. Yeah. Yes. What, why, I, what I is it? Why, why don't they manufacture – why are they leaving this, this, this out there? Why so – So we talked to a lot of several engineering teams, yeah. manufacturing teams from Ram – uh, Chevrolet, Ford, etc., 
And uh, it has to do with regulation, I think, uh, s- safety. So a lot of them say, or at least that's the story uh, that, they, that they communicate, is that they have to pass a, a lane change maneuvers, yeah. different maneuvers for safety. And this has to do with the government and also the IIHS, right, yeah. uh, where they test a rollover capability of each truck. And let's face it, a tall tire with a lot of sidewall, you know, with the, where you have a lot of rubber there, has a tendency to lean, right? You have you have leaning, and so that's the basically okay, the explanation I, I, they you, give, which is great, except for the tremor, right? That comes from the factory with much bigger tires, thirty so, fives. So, yeah, so that and, does, that doesn't have to pass uh, emission, that, that same safety thing. I think it did pass. It must have. What do you think, Steve? I mean, I, I think you're probably Andre's probably got it right. I mean, safety regs make the most sense. Um, I don't see any reason why the manufacturer wouldn't. Although, you know, the other one is maybe just cost. You know, they got to look at their bottom line and bigger tires equals more money, and maybe they're just trying to keep the cost down too. Right, here, it can be a cost. All right, here's another head scratcher. Sure. These are these are head scratchers, okay? Steve, you've got Big Green, right, our old square-bodied uh, uh, GM truck, right? Yep. How many gas tanks does it have? Not that they both work, but how many does it have? <laughs> it's got two tanks. Exactly, two tanks. What is it now with manufacturer putting these piddly ass tiny gas tanks into uh, big off-road trucks? Into big off-road trucks or big ass towing trucks? Right. That I'm looking at our old. I'm looking at our Silverado Trail boss. Right. Uh, what's what's the tank in there? Twenty twenty four gallons. gallons, which I thought was horrible. Right. It was one gallon bigger than an old Rebel, which actually had a 23-gallon <laughs> tank, right? And when you're out there towing anything beyond 1,000 pounds, right, you're probably getting anywhere from, let's say, 5 on the low side to 10 MPG. And a 23- or 24-gallon tank means that basically you've got an effective range of about 150 miles of towing, which is crazy. Why, yeah, are, why are they doing that? You have to stop every two hours. Yeah, why, why are they putting such tiny fuel? T- is it because of like some kind of fuel economy, or is it because you, you, it, when they do the, the MPG test, that you, they fill up the gas tank? So if the more gas you put into it, the you know the heavier it's going to be, the the worse your MPG. I mean, it's it's like thimbles in these big trucks. Mm-hmm. And and if you want a big yeah. truck, if you want a big tank, you got to go out of your way and order it. And you know, good luck with that. Well, Chevrolet doesn't offer a bigger tank. Go ahead, Steve. Sorry. If it's just packaging, if it's just packaging, and and you know they're choosing these days to just package in other things rather than bigger gas tanks, you know, um, whether it's prioritizing bigger suspension or more suspension or bigger axle, I don't know if that's the case. But then you also brought it up too, I and mean, it might be a weight thing. The bigger the tank is, the more gas is in there, the more heavy, the heavier the truck is. So then when they do all the MPG testing, it's going to be worse. And I'm well, sure, you know, they're always looking to get the best numbers possible. So maybe that's where they're getting those. Or, or maybe prizes. maybe they're freaking out that people have to, like, double swipe a card because a card will only usually give you $100 worth of gas, right, at the fuel stump before well, you have to swipe it again. A, Not yeah, anymore. that's a funny psychological <laughs> thing, right? Where it's like no. if my tank costs 300 bucks to fill, it's a huge tank. It's expensive. But realistically, it doesn't matter because you're doing the same distance. So that so, might just be, yeah, they've decided psychologically bigger tanks are worse. I I think I mean I I don't think there is an excuse good enough for a small tank and a big off-road truck, because uh, I think maybe what's happening is they do range calculation with an unladen vehicle. Yeah. You know when you buy like a crossover or a car or an SUV, they always give you like an estimated. You can go 330 miles or 400 miles on a tank, 
and maybe they're using the same calculation for an empty truck, but trucks are rarely empty, right? Maybe you're hauling some something extra in the bed, maybe you're towing a trailer, and your range comes down drastically, like you said, drastically. So I don't think there's an excuse. I think all of them should either have an optional big tank or... Yeah, make it an option at least. But, but the, the problem with the option is the dealer doesn't uh, doesn't order it, and then when you go to buy the truck, and it's not available. It's not available. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Right. Rebel had that option, but it wasn't there. Uh, and you know, now not to add on a negative note, let's give them some props to the manufacturer. I think we have to talk about in the last few minutes that we have. Uh, we also have questions, dude. Oh shoot, we forgot about the questions. Questions, questions, right, right. questions. Uh, the prop. I have to. I just really quickly has to go to truck interiors. They've gotten so much better with Ram leading the way, um, and um, I think I think all the other manufacturers are going to step up. So let's quickly your questions, Andre. What do you got? Yeah, this could be a kind of a lightning round, and okay. we get questions all the time at askatfltruck.com, as you know, and we get to them as fast as we can. First question comes from John Sorok, and he's in the market for a used truck, but he's looking at a between 2018 ZR2 Colorado or a 2019 Rem Rebel. For about the same price, both trucks can be had, he says. And this is why I reach out to you, the experts, which truck to buy. Colorado midsize versus Rebel full size. Correct. Exact, um, exact, same, exact same money. Yeah, exact same. I, I which is go, true. You I, could I'm going to go buy. with the full size truck. I just think uh, it's, got, it's a much bigger, uh, let's say, call it Swiss Army knife. It just has, you know, more capability all around. And, you, you know, you're never going um, to miss more capability, but you might miss less. How about you, Steve? Well, for the same money, it does make a lot of sense to get more truck. However, I would go ZR2 because that's going to be better off-road. You get that front locker. I think it's going to be way more fun if you hit the trail. And uh, if that's what you're looking for, then I think ZR2 all the way. And I think, John, he's looking at 2018 ZR2. I think you may be able to buy a brand new one for about the same money now because the discounts are deeper and you know financing options are available. So uh, I, I think you could also get a new truck for about the same money as well. Okay. Sure. Second question is from Diego Delangelo. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. And he has a quick question about the difference between a pintle hook hitch and a regular ball hitch. Uh, which instance would you use each hitch for? All right, Steve, this one's yours. Sure. So, I mean, I think, I don't want to assume everyone knows this, but a regular ball hitch, I mean, that's what you want to use for a trailer that you're towing down behind. You. That's what you want to use on road most of the time. We'll focus on the pintle. Uh, the reason you want a pintle, the number one reason, in my opinion, anyways, is that it has uh, unlimited articulation. So if you're going over weird ground, if you're off-road, if you're on a farm and you're in muddy ruts, your trailer is allowed to articulate without binding up the hitch. If you have a ball hitch, uh, eventually you're going to get some twisting motion and the trailer will pop off or something will break. And then secondly, uh, and again, I'll bring up a farm application, a pintle hitch is super fast to hook up. And if you have, let's say, 20 trailers and they're all pintle, then you only need one hitch for all those trailers. Whereas with a ball, you know, you have two-inch balls, two and five sixteenths. Uh, so you might end up needing to switch balls, switch your height. Pintle is also just better if you have a lot of trailers that you need to hook up, you know, in, in rapid succession. Yeah, so I do see them a lot on farms. I think that's sort of the number one use. And then I guess I'll, I'll just real, bring up real quick two downsides. On road, pintle hitches are kind of horrible because they're really loose. Like they just flap all loud. over the place. Yeah, they, they and look they're like... loud, they flap. There's a lot of reasons why pintle hitches on road are bad. And I actually did some quick research. The aftermarket offers all kinds of different things to help you kind of quiet down and, and control your pintle hitch on road. 
but uh, yeah, Pinto's on road definitely are not like. And then if guys imagine like two links in a chain, right? That's kind of what a Pinto looks like. Yeah. Versus like you, yeah, put, exactly. yeah, you know, the ball on top, the the cap on top of the ball, which is what the typical hitch looks like. And there's a lot the ball of gives that tight connection. The Pinto does not. Right, and there's a lot of innovation in this space. If you look at the latest Overland-type hitches for off-roading, they're articulating t- hitches that can move in three dimensions, you know, side to yeah, side and up and down. I've so seen a lot of them. so no, there are other sense. solutions to this. But let's move on to the next question. Uh, actually, two questions from Chris. He has a loaded, loaded email here. Uh, he says, I'm a huge fan of the channel. Thank you. Um, I have learned uh, a lot of about truck by watching you guys. First question, he says, um, if I use an analog tire gauge, a digital tire gauge, or a TPMS tire pressure monitoring system in my truck, and also a compressor at a gas station, usually <laughs> all of them have a different different reading for the PSI. What's going on? Which one should I trust? Which one is the correct one? That's a toughie. Uh, which one is the right one? So uh, I've experienced this too. Yeah. So um, it depends on the brand of the uh, gauge sometimes. You know, some gauges are not as accurate as others. Um, I would, uh, if, you, if you have a newer vehicle, a newer truck or SUV, and a tire pressure monitoring system is available, uh, I would trust that. I mean, here's here's kind of the order I would trust yeah. it in, right? If you if you're one of those gas stations where you're throwing money into it, and then you set the tire pressure, I would not trust that. That that is just way off, right? That that's the least trustworthy. Then the thing, the problem with the TPMS in the vehicle is sometimes there's a lag time between when it takes readings, and so you know, oftentimes I fill it up, and it, let's say it says 30 psi, and then you know I drive down the road, and the air heats up, and all of a sudden it jumps to 35 psi, right? So I, I really believe in buying a really high quality, not one of those little you know throwaway gauges that you know where the little thing shoots out where you're kind of looking at it and trying to figure out is that 32 or is that 37 i can't tell right but just buy a high quality gauge that you know they're not that expensive even a nice one is like 10 bucks and then use that uh and it's well worth it i just keep it you know in my truck and i have it whenever i need it and then that's the one i always go to how about you steve yeah, I think I would agree. And then I, you know, I can't add too much to what you said. The only thing I would say is, you know, buy a good one and stick with it. Use the same one. At least you know your frame of reference is always coming back to the exact same measurement. Hey, there is one uh, ray of sunshine here. At least we don't use like bar pressure like the Europeans do, because there it's like <laughs> 1.2 bars of pressure. <laughs> it's much harder. That's funny too, because even in Canada we use PSI. Yeah. We don't bother with that. <laughs> Uh, the next question from Chris um, is kind of, well, a little bit more complex, but I think we can hit it pretty quickly uh, here. He is, the question is about different types of lockers. Uh, there is an electrically enabled locker that works in four low, he says. I know Wranglers have those. But what about third-party air lockers? Can you enable them in four high as well? If not, why not? Um, if I have an ARB, for example, air locker, and I flip a switch that forces the uh, it to engage. Why does it matter which drive type I'm in for high or for low? Steven, can you weigh in on this? Yeah, actually I can. So uh, ARB air lockers, that's actually one of the cool things with ARBs is when you do aftermarket, you can engage that thing whenever you want to. And uh, unlike where you buy something from the manufacturer, and like you mentioned, the Jeep will not allow you to lock up the rear end uh, when you're in four high. Although that changed, Andre, you know this, in the Mojave, you can do that. 
because the Mojave is all about sand. So, you know, my understanding high speed. Wait, wait, there's a caveat there. Hold on. It's coming. It said it's not available quite yet. So we have the truck oh, right now. Sorry, I didn't understand that. I knew Jeep said it was coming, but I didn't know it wasn't here. Yet. Not quite right now, but it's coming. Anyway, so, yeah, so, so yes, like, it's kind of frustrating to be limited by a manufacturer because, you know, I like blocking up the rear end when I'm in four high. You know, there's reasons why you might want to do that. So that's actually one of the great reasons you get an ARB or an aftermarket locker is most of the aftermarket lockers, yes, you can just engage it whenever you want to, including while the vehicle is moving. And that's actually kind of the downside is, is OEM vehicles are designed to protect you. They're idiot-proof. So if you hit that locker while you're going at 6,000 RPM, the truck's not going to do it because it doesn't want to hurt itself. Now, that's the problem with an ARB is if you do, for some reason, you know, jam your locker on while you're moving at high speeds with, you know, full turn locked in, you can mess up your ditch pretty badly. Um, but, you know, I, me personally, I'll always take having more choice and more control over the vehicle. So the ARB lockers are a really good choice for that because you have full control. You lock it whenever you want. And, guys, I'm going to do a big caveat here, and this is, I, I think, an important one that it takes a while to learn, especially if you're in the Jeep world. Um, and that could be the truck or the vehicle, right? It's so much cheaper. I mean, so much cheaper to get the right axle and the right locker from the factory than actually retrofitting it because that's what a lot of people do. We went down this road, right? We bought the Sport, the Wrangler, and then if you actually want to go and put an ARB locker in there, the it's cost not cheap. Oh, it's yeah. not cheap. It's yeah. especially if you want to go get a bigger axle. Now we're talking. It's probably the most expensive part on any off-road vehicle, right? It's the axle. An axle can cost ten thousand dollars. So, you know, it kind of answers the question of why is a Rubicon so expensive? Because let's say you want a Rubicon version of the Gladiator where you get the front and rear diff locker. That's going to cost you probably, what, 10 k more than the Sahara, mm-hmm. right? But if you had to actually retrofit those lockers on, on both the front and the rear, that would cost you $20,000 if you actually had to go to ARB and, and you know, buy the, the locker. And then you have to have obviously, it. Yeah. yeah, you have to have a compressor or air tanks, right? Uh, and so, yeah. yeah, you know, there's a reason that Rubicons are so expensive, and same thing with the ZR2, but it's much cheaper than, you know, upgrading aftermarket. Even though ARBs are great lockers, they're just very expensive. Yeah, you got to make sure that you really want it, and it's going to be worth it for you if you're going to spend the money, for sure. And I think uh, if you're going that way, maybe you're buying an old vehicle, you know, for a couple of grand, and actually upgrading the axles, and that kind of makes sense, right? Because right. you have a project truck or a SUV sure. that you're actually up building up from the ground up. Rather than buying a brand new truck and then upgrading it, you know, at and, the same time, and that's why a lot of people end up with like things like Detroit lockers, right? Which are uh, mechanical lockers that are much cheaper, but then you don't have the control of locking them or unlocking them. Then you end up with a lot of crabbing issues. Yep, and exactly. I, I think that's a good place to stop because you know this show is focused directly on off-roading. And that was a really good effort question, actually. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, if you're interested in uh, us answering your questions, send us a question to ask at TFL Truck. Or, Steve, you're doing, uh, you know, Steve to the rescue. What's your email address if they want to ask you a direct question? Yeah, he says, well, you send it to ask at TFL Off-Road, and uh, I'll answer questions, whether in Steve to the Rescue videos or articles or here on the podcast. Yeah. I'll have to ask you. Thanks for your questions. We'll send them in. And guys, if you're watching this uh, on uh, one of our YouTube channels, uh, this is a podcast that is available wherever 
podcasts are sold, or actually they're free. So whether it's <laughs> you know iTunes or Spotify, yeah. wherever you get your podcast, just check out TFL Talking Trucks. Uh, and Steve, thank you for joining us. And Andre, thank you for uh, another great episode. And guys, um, check out what, Andre? TFLTruck.com. And what, Stephen? And TFLOffRoad.com. For more news, views, and, of course, real-world reviews. See you guys next time. Ciao. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.